welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tom Fullery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live in front of a brilliant studio audience at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. And here he is, ladies and gentlemen, in his new sweatshirt, Jerry Springer. Oh, thank you. Now I have to... Now, don't I have to give a credit to the, the company that made the shirt? I didn't say what type of sweatshirt. I just said a sweatshirt, Jerry. Only, only if they're paying you money, you do. Right. You're wearing You're right. a sweatshirt. I'm not going to mention them. There you I go. didn't get anything yet. There you go. But it is orange. It's a hoodie. Just it's to very show. cute. You know, hey, I'm, 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 a, I'm a street guy. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, hello to Facebook Live. They get to see the sweatshirt we're talking about. This beautiful oh, man. coral, typical Florida colors, a coral sweatshirt, a coral hoodie Jerry Springer is wearing. I and, am uh, wearing, yeah. I I mean, you know, I run with the gang at the uh, at the home. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, I've seen, seen the village ring, I'm in. What I understand. Yeah. Oh yeah. Man, uh, we we guys get together and man, we call ourselves the 80s because every one of us <laughs> is either there or just about there. Hey, by the way, uh, <laughs> stick around for uh, Rich Henderson from uh, Coleman, yes. Alabama. He's got his bass player with him to uh, young Ethan. They'll be with us uh, in a few minutes and Megan will be introducing them. Uh, you know, some good Americana music. It's it's a cool group. So uh, and cool guys. Yeah, cool guys. We were just talking to them a little bit before the yeah before this program. So uh, yeah, I'm hey Jerry, talking to them. Yeah, fifty years ago today, this is worth mentioning. You started serving. You're no longer in government, but you spent a lot of years in government, a lot of years in local yeah. government in the Cincinnati area. And your first office was Cincinnati City Council. I remember it well. Megan wasn't born yet. But uh, and that was like fifth. Is that right? Are we talking yes. fifty years Dece- ago? Well, actually, as we're taping this, it's tomorrow, December first. Because Dece- December first, every odd year, they swear in the new council. So December first, nineteen seventy-one, I was sworn in for the first time on Cincinnati City Council, and then you know the ten years that came after that. But uh, yeah, so it all started. I had a haircut then. And uh, I bought a new suit (laughs) and it it was, it was pretty exciting to just actually be in elective office. Yeah. I was what? 26. I haven't changed at all. I remember it. And uh, you know, I was one of the many volunteers that helped did did small parts and trying to get Jerry elected and Jerry uh, people should know and wouldn't know is very, well, they might know this, very popular Cincinnati uh, office holder and parlayed that into becoming mayor some years after that. Uh, it's very cool. And then went on, and we've talked about this before and compliments to you, Jared, but you went on to careers in journalism and television, now Judge Jerry, long career, very successful career. A lot of us envy it. Some of us resent it uh, because he's, he's made... Made a lot of money. Here's a question I have. Yes. On that theme, what the hell, Megan? I am, Megan, would you agree? Because you've known me a long time too. 
in the what we'll call the Jerry Springer orbit. And I'm going to put you in the orbit as well. You belong in there as much as I do. Oh, lucky me. Hey, Megan, (laughs) Megan, I'm the poorest MF in the whole group. Wouldn't you agree? I mean, it's close. Yeah, yeah. You're pretty much well learned. (laughs) Gene, well earned. Well well earned poverty. How does it work? I go up with my wife recently, and and I'll tell this audience this, and I I have no shame. My wife well documented. Well documented. My wife and I live in a small efficiency apartment. And oh. There is no, now this is the truth be told. <clears throat> there's basically one room and in that room, there's a bed in the corner and there's an old kit over in the corner of the small kitchen area, et cetera. Okay. The French doors and transom behind you, sir, belie that. So we'll go okay. ahead and let okay. you go. <laughs> so I don't have a lot of do re mi. So we have this tiny storage unit and it's not the kind with a big double car garage door it's in a storage area but we have like one metal door like the outside of a school yard in the back of the school you open the door and there's a, basically a closet in there we keep memorabilia just stuff that means something else. Yeah. why in the hell is that thing occupied probably one third with Jerry Springer stuff like CDs from old country Western. By the way, it's a pretty good uh, CD. I've listened to it many times. But boxes of CDs, uh, T-shirts from city council races. I swear to God, a third, and I got to pay every month for that storage. How in the <laughs> hell does that work if that's at my storage unit? You've got a, we, look. Let's lay it all on the table. Jerry Springer has seven houses, and the one that he mainly lives in has a five-car garage. And it has I have a question in. about the contents of that storage unit, though, just, just to clarify. Yeah, let's get back to that. Yeah. Um, Jerry, we will deal with you. At another is, time. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think? There's some weed in there? Something? No, Gene, I don't think there's weed in there, but I do think there were probably some pieces of of, of things that could have helped Jerry win some more elections. Was there any that thank okay, maybe drop it? Most of that storage are old campaign literature, yeah. t-shirts. Now, that we're supposed to be handed out. So maybe I could have gotten a few more. There it is. But if you had done your Uh job, you wouldn't have to be paying for a storage facility at this point. How do you feel now, John? Hey, uh, Jerry, (laughs) we wanted to hear some good music. And I I should have uh, done this in in another order, but now I'm going to clean this up. Hey, Jerry, (laughs) seriously, the heart of this podcast is the... The heart of this podcast is the commentary that you do each week. We look forward to it. There's always so much going on. And it used to be, and we couldn't avoid it, so much Trump stuff. And there still is some Trump stuff. But what caught your interest this week in national news? Well, uh, the weekly polls may not currently reflect it. But when future books on American history are written, Joe Biden will go down, whether it's for one term or two, as perhaps the most consequential president since FDR. 
with virtually no help from the Republican Party, in fact, in the Senate, literally no help, with no margin of error, indeed, every single Democratic senator would have to come on board, he, through his negotiating, cajoling, nonstop, sleeves rolled up, hands blistered and dirty, persuading, President Biden got through the most far-reaching, progressive, multi-trillion dollar domestic package since Roosevelt, and perhaps ever. This from a man that critics say is too old for the job. The package, sure to be trimmed back some by the Senate, includes massive funding of infrastructure plus the Build Back Better agenda. Funding for health care, housing, parental leave, child care, child tax credits, um, universal preschool, climate change. Indeed, I would argue that if anything about it is to be altered, is that the various uh, programs should be funded permanently, not just for a year or two. Otherwise, if the Republicans get back in control next year, they'll try to destroy as much of it as they can, just that they tried with Obamacare. And of course, what Republicans mainly argue, and a Democrat or two, read Joe Manchin, that these programs sound good, sure, but people want them, but we simply can't afford this. It's going to be terror, it's going to terribly increase our debt, they say, and pass on much of the expense to our children and grandchildren. I've got 10 grandkids. I can't do this to them, Manchin cries. Oh, give me a break like your kids are going to suffer. What about the millions of kids today that would love to have your grandkids' problem of, oh, gee, I might one day have to pay a little more in taxes? Instead of their real-world problems that they're now facing of little or no education, hunger, rat-infested housing, parents who can't work because childcare is unaffordable, or middle class that no longer has much of a chance of upward mobility, producing the ever-growing gap between the 1% at the top of the economic ladder and everybody else. What about these kids and families, indeed most Americans, who would clearly benefit from this legislation, even if in this partisan environment they don't recognize that? All this feigned concern about the deficit, when these same conservatives kept their mouths shut while Trump was blowing a hole through our national budget, creating a massive deficit by giving tax breaks to the wealthy, the height of irresponsibility. I think what gets me are the excuses used by the wealthy, by the powerful, by the 1%, not to have to be called upon to meet their responsibility to society. It's going to increase our deficit. I don't want my kids or grandkids kids having to pay more. If we help the middle class and poor, they won't work. They're just lazy. We can't create a society of entitlement. This is socialism. All of this, of course, is garbage at best, abject cruelty and selfishness at worst. First, let's dispense with the socialism argument. All governments have some degree of socialism, some societal obligation that must be financed by the community as a whole, because no individual can provide for all of life's necessities on his or her own. Doctors, schools, housing, highways, armed forces, police, 
firefighters, medicine, research, waterworks, utilities. You get the point. Only if we all chip in, at least all those who have the resources to chip in, only then can the society function and survive. And the extent that this is being done by our collective efforts and taxes is socialism. So get over it. We've been doing, we've had it, and a degree of socialism has been with us since our very beginning. So conservatives are making no rational or intellectually based argument here. It's simply, why do I have to pay more to help other people for a particular service I may not even be using? The answer is because millions of other people have paid and sacrificed so you, wealthy person, are able to live the privileged life you're now living. To the rich and wealthy, I say, they built the schools you went to, that is the middle class and lower income people. They built the schools you went to, the roads you travel, trained the doctors you use, built the airports you fly out of, pay for the fire and police departments you call. Millions of people have and continue to pay often with limited resources for your wonderful life while they live paycheck to paycheck and sometimes no regular paycheck. And I have trouble abiding by the often heard rationalization. Well, I work for everything I have. Perhaps, perhaps you've worked really hard, but without everyone else's contribution over the years, you wouldn't have this country or neighborhood to live in an industry or profession to thrive in, the science and technology to grow in. Yes, you may have really worked hard, and there surely are rewards in that. But lots of people work hard, and I mean really hard work, like picking up the garbage every day, working in hospitals and sewers and in factories with little glory and no accumulated wealth. And let's be honest, a lot of, a lot of people are wealthy, simply because their spouses or their parents were. The point being, it's good fortune if you're lucky enough to have a fortune. And as one who has had that luck, let me suggest those of us who are well off, those who have power, be that in the private sector, entertainment, sports, or the political sector, how dare we suggest that we can't afford Biden's social agenda, which might cost some of us a rise in taxes. Imagine the price millions and millions of Americans are paying by going without food or housing or medical care or meaningful job opportunities with a decent wage. Have, how dare these Republicans, and yes, some Democrats, cry out, we can't afford to pay for these programs. Drive through a wealthy neighborhood, perhaps a gated community, and then drive through an economically deprived inner city or rural town with little uh, but boarded up shops on an abandoned main street. You tell me who's paying the real price. What is the circumstance we really can't afford? To oppose the guts of this Build Back Better legislation, which obviously helps the poor and middle class that could obviously use this help, the fact is this entire debate has nothing to do with economics, 
or competing political philosophies. It's about simple human decency, which in these troubled, divisive, and increasingly violent times, whether we can somehow reach deep down in our character and in our souls to find. Good one, Jerry. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you. Thank you. Let me tell you about my taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Do we still have a problem with jet fuel, Jerry, or have we moved on from that? You know how expensive that is. (laughs) And and, uh, Megan momentarily is going to engage us with Rich Henderson from Coleman, Alabama. Let me just say one quick thing, Jerry. Yes. You started started by saying something that so few people really know. Now, they may know before this whole process is over and there's a future presidential campaign, et cetera. But the record of Joe Biden, who some people say, and I kind of love it, you know, boring, old uh, plotter, but you stated it so well. He just gets it done. And mm-hmm. what he has yeah. got done is shockingly significant compared to that wacky, showy narcissist that preceded him who got nothing done and screwed up so many things. But Joe Biden, the, the, these pieces of legislation that he using his skills from having been in the Senate, as he would say, for 100 years, his skill is paying off. And uh, thank you for uh, making that clear. That needs to be said more and more. Well, and even just in the last couple of weeks, it, you just get that sense of the calmness, like you talked about, Dre, like he's just plodding along doing things. And and this is kind of silly and superficial, but this past week, Jill Biden, um, his wife, you know, opened up the White House for their Christmas, Christmas at the White House. And it seems like at first glance, it's very Norman Rockwell. It's very quiet, but it's about the gifts everyone gave emotionally uh, and, you know, to neighbors over the last year and a half. And it's really it like someone like me, I get a little skeptical of that kind of stuff, but it was such a light and like breath of fresh air. <laughs> okay. Good. You know what? Santa yeah. Claus for everybody. This is great. <laughs> I agree with yeah. you. I agree with you. It, felt, it felt good. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So something else to feel good about is Rich Henderson, who is joining us this evening, along with young Ethan. Hey guys, how are you? Hey, very well. How are you? Glad to be here. Doing great. Yeah. So you are now. Let me get this straight. Are you joining us from Alabama right now? I know that's where you are originally from, Rich. No, I'm in a. I'm in College Station, Texas, right now. Texas. All right. All right. College Station. That's so, cool. um, yeah. Welcome well, to our. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so what brings you to Texas via via Alabama? What's your What's your story there, uh, my friend? My lady and I stay down here. I met her in Denver, Colorado. We were. Uh, Playing a pre-party for Tyler Childers' show at Red Rocks, and uh, oh wow, wow. yeah, we Tyler wow. two and some odd years ago, and uh, it was just extreme. She was intriguing, and uh, I had to go to the studio in South Carolina, and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to come see you when I get done," and she's like, "Okay, sure you will," <laughs> and uh, made the trip down and hung out, and we've been kind of well. We started talking a little bit. It took me about eight months to convince her to date me, I guess, but uh, here we are. <laughs> the hair wasn't enough, dude. Come on. Yeah, actually, <laughs> I got to be real. If it weren't for her, my hair wouldn't be where it's at now. You know. Well, she's <laughs> good on her. So Red Rocks, huh? had you played there before? No, we actually the pre-party that we played was in a historic ballroom called uh, Cervantes Masterpiece Ballroom, 
So oh, wow. During the night before Tyler's Red Rock show and myself and a bunch of other Appalachian artists like uh, Chelsea Nolan, who I know has been on here, Eric Bolander, um, laid back country picker, name a few. Uh, we all got together and kind of party with all our friends. We It actually started the week before at a music festival called Kicking It on the Creek in Eastern Kentucky, where I met him. Yeah. Um, just found him there. He just, just showed up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what we can and can't talk about here because it's a podcast. <laughs> David can edit most things out. Yeah, right? we, had a, we had a good time and we were hanging out and uh, he came on the road to sell some t-shirts and hang out and uh, taught him how to play bass guitar as the pandemic kind of shut us down. And he's been wow. with me ever since playing bass now as a full-time musician. So yeah, it's been, it's been pretty wonderful. Cool. <laughs> well, that's very, very cool. So um, you were, we talked, Jerry had mentioned, we had talked to you guys a little bit before we started and you were saying that um, it's kind of, you mentioned I, what was the the description you used the red dirt or the red um oh you were talking about your type of music beforehand and i love americana that. red dirt yeah kind of thing we call it red clay rock and roll because from where we're from in the northern alabama it's, it's red clay it's not red dirt so we like to say red yeah. clay rock and roll it's kind of a term we're playing yeah. at the time yeah i just never had heard that before and i really liked it but you had mentioned that in your home state that that sound kind of took a little bit longer to reach. Whereas you, you had mentioned that the Midwest, you got a foothold a little quicker And what, what do you, what do you think that is? Why do you think so? You know, um, I think a lot of the, the reach of commercial radio is, is what gets down to the Southeast. And I don't know if it's due to, you know, lots of, lots of poverty in the area. The stuff tends to take a little bit longer to travel down there, but in the Midwest, um, I can't say what it was, but we kind of, got the most interest out of there and we went to where the uh, interest was and people showed us a lot of love. This still is our, I would say our largest fan base is in the Midwest, Kansas city, Missouri. Shout out to the KC Missouri crew. We love y'all. I know they're watching on Facebook. That's awesome. Well, hi, Kansas city. Well, this evening uh, we have the song, the fall. Can you tell us a little bit about this gentleman? Yeah, that's, um, you know, as you get older, you're supposed to be in certain places by certain timeframes. Your whole life, you know, by 25, you're supposed to have the house and the car and by 30, married with the kids and that sort of thing. And uh, I was just kind of wearing wearing some of my defeats and some of my losses a little bit heavy. And I was down here in Texas and it rained for six days in a row, which never happens here. And I was just having a rough go and kind of ashamed of, of where I was at and what I was doing. The pandemic had shut down everything that I thought I was pursuing. And uh, that was one of those songs that came to me to kind of remind me that, you know, everything's going to be all right as long as I continue to do the right thing and keep, keep working for it. So that's where it came from. Heck yeah. Good well, for you. We'll be able to hear yeah, good, back good so team. Can, Thank you. So that yeah. we can talk more about your experience during the pandemic and kind of all of our experience with zoom and with the way that we're interacting now and even some of the opportunities that that has brought to us. But, um, but for now, uh, David's going to play the fall for us. And this is rich Henderson and young Ethan. It seems it like to stay And my eyes have seen a shame And I've been searching Trying to find a better way And my mind has seen the plane And all I know, I know for 
hurting Cause I don't know anything at all And all these stones that I've been turning Are building me a bigger wall And I've been sober now for damn near two whole days in this time, I hope it takes And I'm still riding, trying to find new words to say And my eyes have seen the place And all I know, I know for certain Is this ain't been near enough for me Now this work and dirt won't mean a thing at all There'll be no forest left if we burn the trees Now my run has left me nowhere to hide and my eyes are open wide and I've seen heartbreak and a soul begin to drown and my eyes have seen the sound and all I know I know for certain is I don't know nothing at all And I'll keep pulling back the curtain Till I learn to love the fall Till I learn to love the fall well, The rain's been hanging it seems I've lost my way And my eyes have seen a shame All right, thank you. Excellent. All right. All right, Rich, tell us where we can hear. And, and Ethan, I hope we get to speak with you a little bit more next time if you guys can agree to come back because I know I know there's a story under that beard, my friend. <laughs> of course there is, of course. And I'm like... It looks like it'd be a long story. (laughs) (laughs) Where can we hear more of your music, guys? Uh, It's available everywhere. Music is available. uh, Spotify, iTunes, Amazon, Deezer, Tidal, all of that. You can can find us there. Just R-I-T-C-H Henderson. And uh, it'll be there. YouTube. I'm on Facebook and Instagram, of course, as well as Young Ethan. You can follow us there. You can, if you message us, we will get back with you. We don't have some kind of... uh, media agency running our stuff it's it's just us on our stuff so that is not an opening for you gene do not volunteer to run their media <laughs> gene, gene looks like somebody i want to party with anyway so <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Be careful what you wish for rich anyway yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Ladies and gentlemen, thanks for tuning in again this week. While you are listening and looking up Rich Henderson and his awesome music, make sure you swing by jerryspringerpodcast.com. Give us a like. Uh, check us out on Instagram, Facebook. Uh, leave us some comments on Facebook. Jerry or Gene will get back to you. Um, Gene will. Jerry will have one of his people do that. Um, but, so it'll be Gene either way. So <laughs> this evening... <laughs> I will do it. <laughs> All right. Well, we will talk to you guys again next week. And Jerry and Jean, till next time. And we're going to have Jean and Casey Campbell take us out with Down by the Riverside. Well, I'm going to lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Fullery, recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by.